0: You know, really being committed to bringing your best work and making your best work the best that it can be. And if that's the focus, that's kind of healthy. Um, I think that it's really difficult if you're asking for feedback, what you're really asking for is affirmation of the idea. And I've done that for sure. And that just makes it really hard for somebody to actually help you improve what you've created.
1: This is a Hillsong Creative Podcast, where we hear from creative experts and influencers, the dreamers and the doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond and create. I'm Rich Langton and on today's podcast, we've got Ben Fielding from Hillsong Worship. We're going to talk about songwriting, collaboration and what a beautiful name. Thanks so much for joining us again on the podcast. Uh, Today, we've got Ben Fielding, who's a personal friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years, before he was at Hillsong Church, but he's been here now for about 10 years uh, as a songwriter and a worship leader. And to be honest, I guess from the world's perspective, Ben is one of the world-renowned songwriters. He's well-respected and, in fact, awarded for it. He just won a Grammy Award with Brooke Ledgerwood for What a Beautiful Name. It's not sort of what we do these things for, but when he's when someone is recognised for that, you've got to stand up and listen to them and, and respect them as uh, you know as a crafts person. So in today's interview, he he delves into the songwriting process, how he goes about coming up with these amazing songs, where the ideas come from, and then the collaborative process and how he works with other people in order to hone the ideas and come out with something. So there's all sorts of things for us non non songwriters to listen to and to hear through about the creative process and I think there's things we can all apply to how we approach team and working together. So I reckon you're going to really enjoy this interview. Let's jump straight into it.
2: Well, welcome to the Hillsong Creative podcast where we are joined today by a very, very special guest, a friend of mine who has been part of our church for a long time, one of our key worship leaders, songwriters, creative pastors. It is my pleasure to say a big welcome to my friend Ben Fielding. Thanks very much, Gabe. What a generous introduction. I wrote that one down and just prepared <laughs> yeah, I see it reading lots it, yeah, and lots just, and lots. But so. it felt
0: natural and it felt heartfelt, so
2: thank it you. It was very sincere. Yeah. Thanks for coming to spend some time with us today. We're excited to hear what you have to talk about and to thank have a you. little chat about worship, worship leading, songwriting, um, where things are headed. First of all, mm-hmm. um, it is the start of the year here in Australia and we have just had um, a fair chunk of time off. Where did you guys head for the Christmas New Year period?
0: Well, my wife is from Canada. Mm-hmm. and uh, Vancouver mm-hmm. and so we spent just under three weeks over there and it was about zero degrees Celsius oh. the whole time and uh, which of course is kind of novel for an Australian. So it was snowing outside, uh, my kids had been dreaming of a white Christmas and that dream was realised uh, pretty much I think every week it snowed and then it never gets warm enough to melt so there's always sort of snow on the ground. How long does the novelty last for? Uh, for me probably, you know, maybe 20 30 minutes um and then for my kids it was a little bit longer uh, but for the canadians i love it because it's just so inconvenient you know so like i actually do love it it's more than 20 30 minutes i just love that i think it's really kind of enchanting but um you know you watch people like have to put new tires on their cars and whatever and you realize no change the whole deal yeah like it's you know
2: taking 20 minutes to warm their cars up before they can drive them out scraping of their, ice yeah. Yeah, for everyone listening in Canada, we feel your pain, or at least Ben feels your pain. I love He, you. he identifies with you even just a little bit more now. Is that right?
0: I do.
2: Um, now we're back here in Australia, the lovely summertime of Australia, which mm-hmm. is our homeland, uh, and here in Hillsong Church, which is our home church. Your role here, Ben, what your main contributions are to our team? Uh, what I mentioned before, obviously, but what do you feel like the main things you bring to the table creatively with us are?
0: um you know I've got a real passion for songwriting and I have um for a long time and and I love being a part of a team where that is something that you know there's a there's a large group of people that are committed to writing and um and really kind of collaborating and honing each other's craft and you know I think that that being in that kind of creative environment you can't help but you know incrementally improve and I think that it can be really easy with any kind of creativity to mm. uh, to really seek inspiration I think that's important um, but to kind of neglect the the craft and I think being in that environment where everybody is working really hard at the craft mm. it's kind of just infectious you you do the same thing and um, and f- getting that feedback you know along the way yeah, is yeah. really really important I love that
2: this is going to be fun um, before we get to some of the The way you work as a songwriter you weren't always a songwriter uh when you first came here yeah you here to play electric is that right
0: yeah i played well actually when i first moved to sydney Mm. um in 2004 Mm. i was a physiotherapist and so i had studied that at uni and i worked um in melbourne where i grew up briefly Uh and um then came up here and and took a job and um within a few months I was asked to start travelling playing guitar with mm-hmm. a friend of mine, uh, Ruben Morgan, who's an incredible worship leader and writer obviously. And um and so I kinda had this choice to make. Do I, you know, tr- do this, you know, physio job that I've just studied for four years to to do or do I do the kind of what was I guess a dr- childhood dream right. job of being able to play music and yeah. uh, you know, and uh, you know, be involved in this kind of worship huh. um movement that I absolutely like loved. Hmm. And um and so I chose to to play guitar and I haven't really looked back. I've never really desired to go back into the clinic. So you're
2: playing guitar with Ruben, traveling. At what point did you start developing a love for writing?
0: Um probably when I was maybe about twelve or thirteen hmm. years old and um I was playing in like a lot of bands at school and uh and I don't know, like I actually think it was probably my school and church environment mm. um, where I just, I loved songs. Like I remember um, being in a this meeting. It was like a, I grew up in a Baptist church in Melbourne mm. and it was like, a, I guess it was a Baptist kind of convention where all the Baptist churches in Melbourne came together and I think it was in a venue called the Glass House in Melbourne at the time. And um, we were singing Jack Hayford's Majesty mm. and... I think it was just a piano and just the and I just remember I still can remember this feeling of just hearing that room full of thousands of people wow. um just singing this song and I don't know like in like I was just a little kid but in me there was just like there was something so powerful about hearing the I think it was some, maybe the unity of the church and hearing so many voices sing together and um and confess the what is ultimately like the glory of God I was like this is like so captivating mm. and, um, and I think for me like that moment and my love of music kind of, I guess kind of just pushed me and forged a path in my my life and my sense of kind of what I would love to be doing.
2: Yeah. So while you're playing with Ruben, you're touring, playing someone else's songs, mm-hmm. are you writing your own at the same time? How did Was that a tension you had yeah. to manage or was that pretty straightforward
0: for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean I guess I'd kind of been writing songs for a little while and um but never like at sort of the level of someone like Ruben yeah, who, you know, is just this phenomenal um writer and, and so really like the the reality was that he knew that I loved writing and mm. I, and was like good enough to and gracious enough to invite me into his process. Um, which when I look back on it was like an incredible thing to do Absolutely. and um and I think that kind of says more about Ruben um and I've seen him do that with a lot of people yeah. um and probably a lot about our church too because that is very much the yeah. the culture but um so yeah I think actually maybe one of the first times I ever co-wrote was with it might have actually been the first time I ever co-wrote was with Ruben huh. um which is definitely not a bad place to start nope. um and I think he was very early in, on in that journey too before that a lot of his songs he had written on his own yeah. um Do you remember the song? Uh well it was actually probably Mighty to Save. Um and and we were, so we started probably on that song. We had another couple of ideas that we were working on too. Um and and it was kind of a little bit awkward at first like we were kind of really like working out how to right, bounce ideas right. and yeah. um and uh but that that part of that process for me was like as a writer was so invaluable because all of a sudden like I'm seeing like, like what was like a, a genius at work and being able to kind of get into his mind and his process um, probably accelerated my songwriting huh. um, within a short period of time um, what would have taken me yeah, yeah. Know, years and years on my own we are going to talk about this later, but I feel like we're
2: here now, so might as well go with it. Um, How often do you try to co-write as opposed to just write on your own? Is it something you're intentional about? Is it something you kind of do on a song-by-song basis? Um, Is it something Um, that you are deliberate about every time? Or
0: how does that work for you? I think, um, you know, there's certain partnerships that I find are quite fruitful and there's people that I enjoy writing with. And um, so I kind of would naturally gravitate to them. But... I definitely still write on my own, and I think that's valuable too. And I do a lot of crafting and revision work on my own, um, and even like mining for ideas on my own. And then, um, so I've got something in the bank if I go to a session, like I've got a few ideas I can sort of bring in. Um, And sometimes there's stuff that I think is great, and you know, you bring it into a session, and it just doesn't, nobody vibes on it. And I think that. That's one of the reasons I, I probably don't spend a lot of time trying to com- just start to finish right on my own because right. I think it's so easy to spend too much time on something that you probably shouldn't have ever right. spent time on. And
2: when you do bring something, you talk about no one else is vibing it in the room. Yeah. Is that deflating? Do you Or are you excited that you found out it's not going to work, you happy to move on? Is that something you get better at over time? Is it something th- you still struggle with?
0: Um, I think I've probably learnt to hold ideas a lot. Uh, more loosely these days than I did. Um, I remember early on in that process feeling a lot more um, committed to an Id- my ideas and I had less of them probably. And, um, and so I remember like one of the things Ruben would al- always say to me, I'd show him this finished song and he'd be like, it's good, but I think you've got a better song in you. And um, I always used to find that like kind of encouraging but also kind of like I don't actually, don't actually know if I do. I felt like that was the best that I could come up with and it probably was. Right. Um, but I think these days I, I feel a lot less um, precious perhaps about ideas and, and you kind of know that the, another one will come and, um, and maybe somebody else has got something in that session that's a lot better than what I had. And so, you know, you kind of – I prefer to spend my day working on something that's better.
2: Yeah, exactly. We talk a lot in our church and in our creative team about feedback and how it improves us yeah. uh, as writers and creatives. Um, do you find that there's sometimes like the time for feedback is um, every time that you work on something, you're looking for feedback from people or are you sometimes content just to put something on the shelf and save it for later for another yeah. time or are you constantly looking for input then decide whether to move forward from there?
0: Yeah, well, I think you like it's sent, it's probably a good idea to be strategic about when you look for feedback because, um, like, I know that there's a lot on a song that I can do before. You know, I need somebody to tell me that mm-hmm. like there's a phrasing issue or that the lyric could be better. You kind of yeah. know that, and you in you your know. own work. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's I don't want to um, frustrate my own process and my own um, feedback uh, loops and mechanisms. Yeah. So I don't want to you know go to people that I trust and show them something that's not finished yeah. um, unless like I want to just see if they even like where it's headed. Yeah. Um, that can be useful too. But, um, and I think what's, what's funny is that you often bring something to somebody and you kind of, you, there's certain things that you're, you're pretty sure they're going to point out. And, um, and so it never really comes as that much of a surprise when people um, see the things that you're not sure about. Right. the
2: and so, for people listening who want to develop a, a culture of healthy feedback themselves, it's as yeah. much about being resilient to take that feedback on board, but also being dedicated to keep working on your craft and keep improving. Right.
0: I think so. Like, and I think um, you know, really being committed to uh, bringing your best work and making your best work the best that it can be. Mm-hmm. And if that's the focus, that's kind of healthy. Um, I think that it's really difficult if you're asking for feedback what you're really asking for is affirmation of the idea they're two very different um, things yeah and I've done that for sure you know right. I can um, and that just makes it really hard for somebody to actually help you improve what you've, what you've created right um, a
2: slight tangent how do you know when a song that you've been working on either on your own or with someone how do you know when it's finished how do you know when the creative process is done this song's ready to go
0: um, I think it's different for every song um, and I actually wouldn't presume to know that i I actually do know. I think that there's songs that you know you always kind of feel like they're they're just this work in progress and and you don't know if it, you've actually landed it um, and particularly if the process has been quite arduous along the way um, and then ultimately it, the process finishes when you sing the song and particularly if you record the song it feels like you kind of really can't go back there's something kind of therapeutic about that in one way because you kind of have to let go Um, and then there's other songs where you know it it just settles and you're like "I, it is what it is Um, and not in a you know dismissive way but that is the song Um, and you could probably change a few lyrics or whatever but it just feels right you know Um, and I think that that's that's obviously where you want to land a song, where it feels finished and um, and you've tested sections. So um, one of the things that I'll often do is try to write a different bridge or a different chorus or a different verse and just see if I can write something that's better um, and then slot that into the song and then go, actually, no, that other verse worked better because of right, this. Yeah. And so you're actually, you're not settling on a idea, but you're... Um, you're making sure it's the it's the best possible idea for the
1: song hope you're enjoying today's interview with ben and gabe today's podcast is brought to you by there is more which is our latest album from hillsong worship it's on pre-order at the moment. It comes out in a few days. We've been waiting for it. We're excited about it. April 6th is the day. If you want to pre-order it, go to hillsong.com forward slash worship and get your hands on a copy. We're really believing that it's a blessing to you and your church. So check that out and let's jump straight back in with Ben and Gabe.
0: Hey, it's uh, Ben Fielding here, and these are my Fantastic Four. To unwind and relax, I mean, I think first and foremost, probably just spending time with my family. I've got three little kids. I have Harper, who's five, uh, Leo, who's two, and my daughter, Ella, who's five months old. And I love that, just walking in back, you know, through the back door at home and, like, immediately, like, you just kind of, like, the switch is flicked and you're, um, you know, there's something to do. You're building a little airport or you're you know, setting up Lego and um, you're reading books. And I just love it. I love the, the, the immediate switch. And, um, and I'm trying to teach my oldest Harper to play cricket at the moment because I feel like that's pretty important. Growing up in Australia, um, it's almost like a rite of passage. Can you bowl a bouncer? Can you bowl a leg spinner? I read a book called Just Mercy by Bryan Stevenson which is actually a gift from Robert Ferguson, one of my favorite people in the world. And uh, it's a book about a man who basically tries to exculpate our people on death row. And uh, it's an American uh, lawyer. It's just an incredible book. It's a captivating read. And I think you realize that people don't necessarily get the same start in life. And I think it's a really compelling uh, thing, as particularly as a believer, to kind of see our role in, uh, bringing justice wherever there is injustice. I haven't really been listening to albums. I've been listening a lot to just songs, song by song. I'm a bit of a um, Spotify fan and, um, and it's, I find that just a great way to find new music. If I could only eat one nation's cuisine it would be the cuisine of Australia because we basically don't have our own cuisine. We just borrow. We stole The lamington from New Zealand we stole probably Vegemite from New Zealand we stole Russell Crowe from New Zealand and we gave him back um this is what we do and we have then Italian great Italian food great you know Asian fusion so my first choice is Australia my last choice is Australia Australia Australia
2: Welcome back to the Hillsong Creative Podcast. I'm Gabriel Kelly here with a um, friend of mine, Ben Fielding. We've been talking a lot about songwriting, collaboration, co-writing. Um, ben, something I've got to ask, you've written with a lot of people. We wrote a little list down of some of the people that you've kind of written songs with. It's okay. pretty long. Okay, It could be a whole episode just listing those names. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've written in a wide variety of settings across multiple continents with people from a bunch of different church backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like when someone brings something into the room how do you know if a song's already got legs when someone you sit down with someone what's that chemistry like when someone kind of brings a song to the table is it easy to develop does it take time to develop
0: uh i think one of the things that i love about collaborating like you know more broadly is that it's kind of educational because when people write differently or they they have a different approach i find that actually really energizing because you start at a place that I would never start. Um, so straight away, you're going to write something that you weren't going to write. Right. And I think that's that's amazing.
2: So when someone does approach a songwriting session differently or one of these people from a different background is different, it, does that create friction in the room as a writer? What's that
0: like? Um, I think it, it can create friction and I, I'm actually not sure that that's a bad thing. I think friction helps um, to sort of smooth the edges. And I think that there's there's benefit in, in retesting your instincts and, um, and starting the song, you know, in a, in a place where you wouldn't have started, it means you're going to get a different result and I think that's actually really cool and that's one of my um, motivations around writing with uh, people that think differently to me, that write differently to me mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it makes me better as a writer and broadens my perspective of what a song could be and what it can do. Um, And I feel really privileged to be able to to get to collaborate with a lot of the people that Mm. I do. I feel like there's just so many great musicians. Um, I I don't want to live in a really kind of insular, like introspective way. And I think a lot of our writers operate like that and I love that.
2: Um, We talk about you writing in a bunch of different settings with a large number of people from different kind of ecumenical backgrounds. Is there a common thread... That you, that you pick up on that makes these people great writers? Is there something that you notice across a bunch of them that is
0: similar? Mm. Well, I think the thing that is overwhelming is, um, particularly when we're talking about um, people that write songs for uh, their church or you know, for the church, mm-hmm. um, is just this incredible passion for God and to see people worship and, and, and really to be equipping um, worship leaders and to, to be able to do that and i think that you hear that just in the conversation you hear that in the focus mm. um, and the and so a lot of the the craft of writing is has been um, honed in in that way um, and then i think that there's just a, there's a cause another common thread would be just a love for um, the word of god love love for the bible but also a love for um, you know the church and and what the church um, could be singing that mm. we're not singing yeah. and I have those conversations over and over again with our peers that kind of do what we do and I think that's a really great place to start is to um, is just to talk and see what what we think is missing yeah and
2: um, you mentioned there about um, people with a love for scripture and the word one thing I wanted to talk to you about was a lot of the songs you've written um, with our church be it uh, Mighty or This I Believe uh, off the new Hillsong Worship album, "Be Still," a lot of them are just straight scripture um, put with melody to music. Is that something that you've been intentional about doing? Obviously,
0: but what's it like trying to put scripture into song? Um, well, you know, I feel like one of the uh, things that compelled me to to write church songs is is growing up singing church songs mm. and um, and learning. The Bible through singing, um, you know, the old praise and worship yep. book songs, all and those ones we did in kids' church that
2: were just yeah straight Bible.
0: Yeah, and like you know, I, like we sang songs that were beautiful songs, and I can, I'll still read the Bible, and as you're reading, you know, like as the deer pants for the water, so my soul. Me too. Or, you start singing. You, yeah, you've got yep. these like maladies that come to you, and you're like, you yeah. know, I've, I, what was happening that I didn't even realize at the time because I was just engaged in, in you know, in worship and church is that you're learning the Bible as you sing. Yeah. And I've always had that in my heart that, that I would be able to do that for the next generation. So whatever modern church music looks like, that it would never lose that um element of yeah. teaching the Bible. Um but also like, you know, I think that the great thing about songs is that you're able to you're able to put a colour on scripture and you're able mm-hmm. to melodically like make uh, scripture come to life in a different way uh-huh. and um and so i think that's the great challenge is doing that well um but then is also um you know if i think of this i believe um which is based on the apostles creed obviously the creed has been around for you know for centuries um but is to be able to unpack that in a way that is hopefully still true to the to the creed itself but yep makes it really useful and accessible so that people will want to sing it. Um, and I, I love that challenge. What's the process
2: like trying to find a melody that matches the tone of the scripture, a triumphant scripture that is uplifting and declarative. Is it more difficult to find a melody and a song structure that matches that than if you were just writing something yourself?
0: Um, maybe, but I think like, you know, the, the scriptures that I find are speaking to me or, uh, Compelling, they've already done something in my life or in my yeah. spirit, so that, that there's already a there is already a color. There's already something that I I feel about yeah. that scripture that yeah. you want to come out melodically, um, and and then I think the other challenge of it is, and I think one of the the message Eugene Peterson's um, translation of the Bible has been really helpful too, because I think you can see that you can still you can take the original text and you can um, put different words to it and bring out new meaning. And I think that, um, as a songwriter, that's you know still being true to the text as true uh-huh. as you possibly can uh-huh. be. Um, but I think there's you, you have to be able to create interest around um, around the. the the text, yeah, and um, and so it could be you know taking a scripture like I know um, Ruben and I wrote a song called uh, God Is Able, and we had Ephesians three twenty, and we would read that, and that w- that was kind of our yep. go to. So whenever we were writing any lyric, we were coming yep. back to that scripture. Yep. Um, so it's kind of one scripture but a full song, um, and so it's sort of unpacking that hopefully in a way that yeah, I love um, that. is just is adding. Or looking at the same scripture from different directions, different yeah.
2: angles. It's fascinating. Um if we go way back to the early 2000s when we all had big hair and very skinny jeans. Yes. Um you've been riding with our church since way back then, I think Oceans will part still one of my favorites. <laughs> I still Thank pull you. it up every now and again. Um yeah, the original Oceans is yeah, what I like to Correct. Call it. Yeah. Oceans 1.0. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah. And you've written with our team all the way through, uh, up to and including our most recent project, uh, which is really exciting. And one of the songs you've written recently off our last record was What A Beautiful Name, which you and Brooke wrote together, correct? Yeah, yes. Um, That song obviously has had a huge reception and has just gone places by the grace of God that I don't think any of us would have expected. Mm -hmm. But I have to ask you, when you and Brooke were writing it, did you go, this is gonna be great. This is gonna really bless a lot of people.
0: Or were you unsure? Could you mm. feel something in the room when you were writing it? Um, it's it's a really hard question because I like I really believed in that song um from really early on. Um and I remember um writing to Cass and and saying we've got this song and I think it's really special. And I think I've only ever done that with three songs. Uh-huh. My um, to Save, This I Believe in What a Beautiful Name. And all to Cass, incidentally. Right because um, back when we were writing my age, so I used to live at the Langtons. i just moved right. to Sydney and and actually Cass and Rich were great champions of me as a writer way back then mm-hmm. when really nobody else even knew I was writing songs. And I so I'm really grateful to them for that. But I remember um so sending that message to Cass and thinking, I really do think there's something special about it, but you never I don't think you could ever kind of anticipate no. the what it what it's done. I kind of was thinking I think this is really going to work in church this weekend. Yeah. Um, and beyond that is just, I think it's such a mystery, you know, and I think it, um, you know, I don't I don't know. It's a mystery. I think God um, definitely puts his hand on things and there's this, this maybe something he's wanting to say to people. There's something that he yeah. wants the church to be singing. Um, and to be able to play any part in that is just, like is incredible but it's also so humbling because you realise you really don't you don't control that at all you, you just not even know. You get, <laughs> yep. you're just part of yep. this narrative and yep. um, yeah and it's, and it's amazing did the song come together quickly did it take a long
2: time was it one of those ones that was just like we're done or was it something you guys went back and forth over a lot
0: um, I think it was the initial part of the song was quick yeah, um, and then the crafting like we had basically ninety five, ninety eight percent of the song in that first day. Mm-hmm. Um and then the last few percent just took months. And um part of that was because Brooke um was back in LA and so we were sort of doing it over right. Every now and then I'd sit down with the song and I'd be like, What about if it did this and yeah. she'd do the same and yeah. a lot of that was just crafting the lyric. And yeah. um and so some of the my favorite lyrics in the song came like right at the end. Of the process, hmm. and um, I think we changed the second verse um, pretty much entirely. Um, Months later, yeah, and then the bridge just restructured it, uh-huh. and um, and they're probably two of my favorite bits of that song, and it, and some of those lines, like yep. um, you know, you have no rival, you have no equal. Mm-hmm. That was th- at the very last stage, and um, and still that section, like I've heard that song now, like. So many times. But that still just gets me. Like it still just messes with me. Same for me.
2: Um, This is probably an interesting thing for us to finish up on. You talk about how that song took months to complete. You've written dozens of songs now um, with our team. And I'm sure that there's a whole bunch more that have been left on the cutting room floor or haven't even made it off your piano in the first place. I think a lot of people kind of wonder talking to writers what's your success rate like would you say that 1 in 10 of your songs are, are winners would mm-hmm. you say it's a greater or lesser percentage than that how many flops have you written that we've never even
0: heard well i mean i've definitely written a lot of flops i think it's easier to kind of define what is a failed song than it is to maybe Correct. even define what's a successful song um and maybe maybe you know ultimately like all of the you know so called failed songs are um Many successes because they're kind of propelling you towards something. Yeah, they're that building blocks towards what's hundred percent. And there's little things that come into your songs that are uh, maybe more useful. And um, but I think you know, uh, obviously, like there's songs that um, our church will sing, um, and to me, that's the sort of the greatest, um, you know, fulfillment. If you like, as a writer, is hearing our church sing something and and it really kind of working and helping lift. Um, yeah. People and helping people, giving people uh, a song that connects them with um, their creator mm-hmm. and gives them words to say that is the worship that is in inside them that they want to express. Um, seeing that, being a part of that is phenomenal. So to me, that's success. Um, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: the success of a song, you yeah. know. And um, I would say that that I mean, I write like a lot of songs to to write that one song. Um, that really kind of is going to do that. Yeah. And I think, it. you know, I, I don't, I don't want to bring songs that are difficult for worship leaders to lead. I want to bring songs that help, yeah. that are really useful tools, if you like, that, you, you know, you can go to that song that's just going to help at any point in a service. It's yeah. going to help.
2: Are there any particular – you talk about giving people songs that connect them with their creator, seeing and hearing churches rally behind them. Are there any particular elements to songs that you find really work in a congregational setting? You talk about songs that are easy for worship leaders to lead, anything similar along those lines?
0: Um, It's so hard. I mean, it's like there's just so many factors, I guess. But I think the the few fundamentals would be like you want to – um, write things that people you think people actually want to sing, um, en mass. You know, so I think again, like the Bible, like you, if somebody puts the Bible in front of me, I don't have to think twice about do I want to read it or do I want to sing right, it. Right, right. Um, I think the more abstract or the more um, maybe even personal, in a in a in one way, um, a lyric becomes the potent, more potential it has to sort of alienate people. Um, and so I, I've you know always sort of thought like if you you know, if you're talking about challenge and you're talking about obstacles in, in life which we all have, you know, in, in so many different forms. Um, and in church on a weekend, you know you've got people that are in a really difficult place in life, you've got people who are thriving, and all the, the whole church come together. Um, the one thing we can do is confess the goodness of God. Um, and and it may not feel like that. It may feel difficult to sing, if if things aren't you know aren't circumstances aren't yeah, saying 100%. that. But to confess it is good for the soul, yeah, and it's beautiful. still true. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're living on the mountaintop, you can sing that, and and it takes a different meaning. But I think if we're if our songs are are really deliberately talking about the character of God, then I think that's that's the most helpful thing we can do to. Um, for congregational singing, because I think everybody can sing that at any point in in life. Because God's the same, you know, yesterday, today, and forever. He's constant.
2: Yeah, Amen. Benny, I feel like we could talk about this for hours on end, but we're going to have to wrap it up for the purposes of today's conversation. Uh, thank you for coming in and spending some time with us on the Hillsong Creative Podcast. It My has great been pleasure. Wonderful hearing from you, and look Thanks, forward mate. to many more years of successful contributions to come. Thanks, mate. Thank you.
1: Well, that was so good hearing from Ben. I don't know about you, but for me, one of the take-homes from that interview was really around the thought of, uh, really, I guess the phrase of we're better together. Ben obviously can write songs on his own, but the collaboration process, obviously that brings out something different that he can't bring his on his own. And I think for any creative, for all of us who are, wanting to bring something to the church or, you know, utilize our gifts for God, I think there's some wisdom in hearing that and applying that thought of we're better together. We're better when we actually put ourselves out there, share what we can bring and, and actually receive from others what they can bring and hone off the edges, as Ben said, um, of, of what we can bring creatively. And, and and somehow what that does when we bring it together is is it creates something new and maybe something even better than what we could bring on our own. So so as, as you're applying that, as you're thinking about your creativity, I would encourage you to think about how you can uh, work with others, how you can bring in other people, how you can hone their skills and their art, and how they can hone you as a person and as a creative as well. If you wanted to follow along with Ben's journey, you can obviously do that on Instagram. His Instagram name is ben underscore fielding, and the Hillsong Worship team, Ben and Brooke Ledgerwood, along with Pastor Brian, they'll be hitting the road in the USA for the there is more tour in just a few days so if you're in the usa and you wanted to go to that you should grab your tickets fast but for the rest of us we can head over to hillsong.com forward slash worship and we can grab the there is more album and obviously pastor brian's book there is more too but go there check that out and for those in the usa hope you enjoy the tour next up we've got food for thought and we're going to hear a little bit more from ben
0: Well, I think worship puts everything else in perspective. There's so many things that compete for our attention and for our priority and uh, ultimately compete to to drive us. And I think what worship does is it is it brings it right back to put God at the center and to put everything else in perspective under that, you know. Paul and Silas when they they were in jail, they were in prison and They begin to sing songs of praise and what I love about the picture that is it's not just their own shackles that are broken and it's not just their own freedom that is brought through their praise, but um, all of the jail doors swing wide open and it brings freedom to everybody else in the prison. And to me that is an incredible thought too, our worship and our praise doesn't just bring freedom to our own lives but it, it liberates the people around us.
1: Well, that's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to subscribe, you can do that on iTunes, YouTube or SoundCloud. And I'd encourage you to do that so you can be a part of the journey with us. We'd love to hear from you too. So if you want to give us your comments, do that on our Instagram. It's at HillsongWCC.